0: This is Ryan Archie-Daff, and shout out to the Bulls' HQ podcast, all the way from Australia who represent, and thanks for all the support. <laughs> Fans. Welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Eyes Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Bulls HQ. Boy, oh boy, what what a day, Bulls fans. Uh, I'm just coming at you, well, it's 7.16am my time right now, which is, I think, equivalent to about 3.15, something like that, on East Coast time, something like that. I haven't done my time zone conversion. My brain isn't really working right now in part because this trade deadline was absolutely insane (laughs) absolutely insane but uh further to that I have been up for a number of hours Um, if you haven't worked out by now based on my accent but um I'm based in Australia the trade deadline for me like the the deadline of the time was about 6 a.m my time but you know in lieu of that or or up to that point I was I've been awake since about 3 a.m following this and you know, not to paint a too graphic of a picture for you all, but um, for me, I wasn't really sleeping well because I knew there was going to be some sort of action. I don't, need, I, I didn't know if the Bulls were going to be involved, but just as a general NBA fan, the, the trade deadline occurring and things happening and Woj tweeting whilst I'm sleeping, like I can't really sleep during that point. So I'm up during the the night, multiple times during the night. Checking my phone, seeing if anything's happened. Nothing had happened. A few times that I checked before, it got up at eleven thirty. Nothing happened. Got up at about one thirty. Nothing had happened. Got up around three twenty ish. Had to go to the toilet. Had to hand the leak. I thought, while well, I'm doing that, you know, two birds, one stone. Let's check with the other hand what, what, what's going on on Twitter. And boy, oh boy, when I when I flicked over over Twitter and uh, <laughs> and, and checked what was happening. Uh, my God, I w- I awoke to some news, basically, and that news was that the Bulls had made a huge, massive trade, trading for Nikola Vucevic and uh, effectively sending out Wendell Carter Jr. and or- Anato Porter Jr. and a couple picks for Vucevic. Uh, Al Mina included in that deal as well as a bit of a salary filler. But man, oh man, what, what a move. I mean... I was hopeful of something like this happening. I wasn't expecting it, to be honest with you. But after the the terrible Cavs game from, you know, effectively 24 hours before, the Bulls needed to do something at the deadline. If you've been listening to this show, you, you know how I felt about it. I wanted to see this team maximize Zach Levine's prime. I wanted to see this team make some moves for players who could impact winning as soon as possible. So from that standpoint... Like, I mean, Nikola Vucevic, he was literally just in the All-Star game with Zach Levine. Yes, he's 30 years of age. I wish he was probably two or three years younger. He's still a very good player, still very much in his prime. Putting up 25 points, 11 rebounds and 4 assists this, this season, I mean, that's the caliber of play the Bulls are getting through right now. So, whilst I'm sad to see my boy Wendell go, I mean, at the same time, the Bulls got absolutely better. The Bulls are better right now. They've done the things I asked them to do, or what I was asking AK to do. What I was kind of fearing that they wouldn't necessarily do, to be honest with you. I thought well, they might go the other way after seeing the team sort of stumbling the way they have been over the last few weeks. Maybe they look to trade off the veteran players and maybe go in for a mini-rebuild again, or a reboot of the rebuild, as I've been saying. But um, that that isn't the case. AK very clearly has made it he's made it very clear to everyone who's paying attention that the Bulls are not going back to the draft and I mean part of that is one that the trade for Vucevic an all-star guy to put next to ne- next to Zach Levine. but as part of the deal that, that's uh, the, the Vucevic deal they've traded two first round picks in that trade so 2021 first round draft pick and as well as the 2023 first round draft pick they go to the Orlando Magic as part of the deal very key point to note in that is the fact that those two picks are both top 4 pre- protected. So worst case scenario, if for whatever reason, the Bulls miss the playoffs, miss the plane, they're still in part of the lottery. They could get some lottery luck and maybe jump up from like 12th into that top four, similarly to how the Lakers did it a few years ago when they, uh, they jumped into the top four and enabled them to make the trade for Anthony Davis. So I'm certainly not banking on that lottery luck, but it's good to know that they're not unprotected picks, I guess is my point. So all in all... You know, despite Wendell going out, a guy that I believed in, still believe in, I'm a little bit disappointed that he's gone to the Magic, a team that hasn't been great in developing talent and don't necessarily have a lot of guards to maybe support him. But nonetheless, from a bull standpoint, the Bulls are absolutely better today. They're going to be better for tomorrow. That deal is an absolute win in my book, and I'm very pleased, but it didn't stop there. And I guess that's the crazy part. Like, it didn't stop there, Bulls fans. I mean, not as big of a move. But to me, well, in my mind at least, a much better move, at least in terms of the way I think of it being as an obvious win. Not to say the Vucevic deal isn't an obvious win, not to say it's not like an A-level trade. But the Bulls also completed a three-way trade, which essentially they sent out Luke Cornett, Daniel Gafford, and Chandler Hutchinson, Hutchinson and Daniel Gafford, they go to Washington. Luke Cornett and Mo Wagner go to the Celtics, and in for the Bulls comes Daniel Tice, Troy Brown Jr., Javante Green, and a bit of cash considerations to line the pockets of the Dorse, which is something they always love. But um, I mean, that deal in itself, that, that is such a great deal, and for a number of reasons. One, The Bulls get the best player in that deal, which is just Daniel Tice right now. He's clearly the best player, the the, the player who can impact the rotation the most right now. But they also get the best prospect in that deal, which is Troy Brown Jr. Now, if you're not familiar with, with Troy Brown Jr., he was the number 15 pick in the 2018 draft. Basically has been shelved by the Wizard this season. I, I don't know what the, what the reasoning for that is, but essentially he was playing 26 minutes a game last season, all the way down to 14 minutes a game this season. Maybe, a, I, I guess a large, large part of that is the fact that they drafted Denny of Dia, Rui Hachimura is there. They got a few other wing options that they were maybe running through there, but essentially Troy Brown, Brown Jr. was sort of on the outs in Washington, but he was the 15th pick in the 2018 draft. Last season, his, sec- his second season, his sophomore more season, averaged 10.4 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 2.6 assists on 44-34 and 78 shooting splits. So I mean, this kid has some potential. And shout out to my guy Morton Jensen, like he's been one of the one, he's been the main voice that I've seen online at least banging the drum on. Troy Brown Jr. is someone the Bulls should should target, or not even just the Bulls. Someone a lot of a lot of teams in the league should target someone like Troy Brown Jr. because he's been sort of wasted in Washington, catching DMPs, not playing much in Washington for whatever reason. I have no idea why Scott Brooks would do that, but the Bulls have taken a shot on him, and I think that just that deal in itself, like, is such a good indicator as to maybe how we should feel about AK. And I, look. Up until yesterday I didn't want to go into just thinking or having blind faith in Arturus kind of show us. Like I needed him to show me some moves before I completely bought into his vision as to what he was trying to do. And to be fair, it wasn't clear what his vision or what his plan was because they haven't really done much. They hadn't really said much. But now it's very clear as to where this team is going, what the direction is. So um I'm pleased to say or I'm pleased to see even, this small move, whilst the headline move is Vucevic, like a move like this where the Bulls are in, like involved in these smaller three-team deals where there's no household names being moved, but they walk out of that trade with the best player in the deal, which is Daniel Tice, but also a prospect like Troy Brown Jr., a wing that can sort of do a little bit of everything. Maybe he doesn't project to be a star, but projects to be a really nice role player. Um, that deal is what really excites me today. And maybe that's ridiculous of me. Maybe that's just complete basketball nerd minutiae sort of bullshit. But I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that gives you a good indication as to the competitive advantage of your front office versus other front offices, let's say. So in it's, in isolation, this move is awesome because when you sort of Couple it with what we saw with the with the Vucevic deal. I mean, the Bulls sent out Wendell Carter Jr., their 2018 draft pick, the number 7th overall pick. Clearly, Wendell didn't didn't project or perform the way I thought he was going to. Maybe there's still time for Wendell to do that, but it, it didn't work out in Chicago. He needed a change of scenery. What the Bulls have done here, like they sort of kept themselves in that 2018 draft by taking a swing on a player that was taken, you know, eight spots after Wendell, who also needed a change of scenery and who may end up having a better career in Chicago than the one he was ultimately going to have in Washington. So it's kind of two birds, one stone in that sense. Like, you get a prospect, a young wing. This team needed more wings. But you also get to keep your hand in that 2018 draft by bringing in Troy Brown Jr. You're sort of supplementing him with Wendell. So not only are you sort of replacing Wendell as a backup center with Daniel Tice, you're obviously getting that starting center with Vucevic, but you're still getting a prospect from that draft to to take a punt on him, essentially, and to see if you can get something out of that player. And maybe Troy Brown Jr. in Chicago can sort of rekindle some of those glimpses that we saw from him in his sophomore season, which which suggested he could be a very capable and good role player. So... I, again, it's it's minutiae stuff. It's small stuff. It's kind of ridiculous that I, I would focus this amount of time on that small trade given that there wasn't a a huge name in that deal. But, I mean, like, couple that move with the Vucevic deal, very good indication to me as to, you know, what the Bulls are doing, what AK is thinking, how he's sort of planning ahead. And what, you know, the type of faith that we can put in him now because now we've seen some legit overhauling of the roster. Like, pre- Previous to this, He didn't really do much. I mean, his main moves were drafting Patrick Williams, signing Billy Donovan, signing Garrett Temple. Admittedly, all three good moves, but it wasn't much. I mean, the roster remained largely in place. AK hasn't necessarily said a whole lot himself, so you're kind of wondering, like, where was this thing going to go? But like I said, now we know. We've got two all-stars. Nikola Vucevic is next to Zach Levine. Their pairing makes so much sense. If you just think about, like, the player that Vucevic is, I mean a great option to put on the block. He, he has a back-to-the-basket game. He's a fantastic passer. He can pass out of the block. If you want to play post-up basketball, you can. If you want to feed your shooters out from the post, you can with Nikola Vucevic. The way the Bulls have been doing that with Thad Young, you can do the exact same thing with Vucevic, potentially even at a higher level, to be honest, if you're given that. Vucevic is such an offensive threat, like I said before, 24-25 points a game this season. Huge offensive threat. But more than that, I mean, Vucevic can be used as a high post option as well, They're the same way the Bulls have been using Thad Young in that short roll where he set a screen for, for Zach Levine, that screen option sort of rolls to the free throw line and receives that short roll pass and then you know makes a play from there for others, that passing option, that passing hub from the high post. Again, you can use Vucevic as that option. But maybe more importantly, and something the Bulls haven't necessarily had to live had next to Zach Levine is they can now use their screener, which will be Vucevic a lot of the time, as a pick and pop option. So, you know, he can set that screen for Zach Levine. He can roll into the lane. He can roll into a post up. But importantly, what he can also do now is sort of flare out and pop out as a shooting option for Zach Levine as well. So the combination between Levine and Vucevic on offense is going to be absolutely deadly. I don't want to go overboard and, you know, draw comparisons to Denver because clearly clearly, uh, Nikola Vucevic isn't as good as Nikola Jokic. But if you just think of the archetype of player, an offensive big that can do a little bit of everything, clearly, clearly Vucevic isn't the passer that Jokic is, but he is still a good passer for his size. Like I said, averaging just under four assists per game this season. And then you sort of start thinking about Zach Levine, his comparison to Jamal Murray. Like, in my mind, it it kind of feels like AK is now kind of trying to build an East Coast version of the Nuggets. Again, obviously not a direct comparison. Clearly, Vucevic isn't as good as Jokic, but Vucevic is probably a top five center in the NBA, depending on where you classify someone like Anthony Davis, for example. Maybe even Bam as well. Like, is is he a power forward? Is he a center? But, you know, ultimately, what he is, is an all-star center. Is a guy that's given you 25, 11, and 4. And now if you compare that guy with Zach Levine, who, who have waxed poetic on this podcast about how good his offensive game has been this season, the fact is that he's been a historic offensive player this season, and you put him next to a guy like Vucevic, I mean, where where can Zach Levine's offensive, go, offensive game go from here? There's another level to go from E balls fans because if he's been this good next to Thad Young as his second best guy, like how good can he be next to someone like Vucevic? So this is a legit. This is a legit move. The offense is going to look sick. It is going to be. There's so many more options on offense right now. There's maybe some concerns from a defensive standpoint. I mean, Vucevic isn't the world's best defender. If you didn't love the drop coverage before, then you're probably not going to love it going forward because with the big plotting center like Vucevic, you can't expect him to be trapping out high or showing out high, hedging out high. Like You're not getting that type of defense from Vucevic, you're getting a drop defense, which is fine. I, th- I think that can work. But when what you need to, to put someone like a Vucevic or the type of player you need to put next to a center like Vucevic, someone that is very much an offensively gifted one but maybe not so gifted on defense is a big athletic four that can cover up his mistakes, that can switch out high, can roll back, protect the paint, and guess what, balls fans? You have that in Thad Young. You have that in Patrick Williams. And to continue that archetype of where, you know, that comparison between Denver and Chicago, like if you think about those previous Nuggets teams that had Paul Millsap next to Jokic, that had Jeremy Grant next to Jokic, I mean Thad and Patrick Williams—they're not exact facsimiles to to Jeremy Grant and to to Paul milster, but they're pretty close. They're pretty close. So in terms of our thinking, Thad Young right now is a really nice power forward option next to Vucevic. For the long term, you know I've, I've I've talked about it before, but I I think Patrick Williams is a power forward, and who better to put next to someone like? Vucevic than what Patrick Williams projects to be as a power forward. And, you know, similarly similarly thinking about that, I mean, the passing that the Bulls now have in the front court with Vucevic and Thad Young, we're sort of starting to see the off-ball game that someone like Patrick Williams has, the way he's cutting off ball, the way he's moving off ball, like that just continues with someone like Vucevic and, and obviously Thad Young. So from an offensive standpoint, I'm, re- I'm really excited about this move. This is a huge move. I think this is going to work wonders for Levine. It's going to be huge for someone like Patrick Williams. So I, I don't know how else I can say it, but to say that I'm very pleased with what the Bulls have done from the deadline or in the deadline thus far. That isn't to say the Bulls had a perfect deadline, and I say that because I was expecting a lowry Markinen trade, and even more so after acquiring someone like Nikola Vucevic. Like, I mean, like the, the pairing of Markinen and Vucevic together is very problematic. I'm very interested to see how Donovan manages his rotation. Who's going to start now going forward? That's going to be an interesting side topic to all this, and one that I, like, you, you guys know that you know, coaching and rotations, the way that sort of juggled, like, that's a fascination for me that's something that i that's what i keenly watch during games like how is the coach managing rotations for whatever reason that's a, that's something that, that i gravitate towards for whatever reason but um how donovan manages that now going forward it's going to be very very interesting but um i'm a little disappointed because you know i, I don't want to take the shine off what the balls did the, the, the moves that the balls did make were absolute home runs steals a-plus type moves in my mind, at least. I know there'll be some critics out there that, you know, it wasn't a move that maybe vaults this team from a a, a low playoff rung team to a legit contender. Uh, if you were expecting that or hopeful of that, then I, I don't know why you were because that was never really realistic at all. So, you know, I'm only going to grade them on what was realistically attainable. So the moves that they did make were absolutely fantastic, but at the same time, like, I'm not alone in thinking, you know, why is Larry Markman still here? I, that I don't understand. Clearly a restrictive free agent. Doesn't really fit with Vucevic. Don't know if he's here for the long haul for the ball. I, I don't think he should be. He's kind of redundant now that you have Vucevic. I mean, what what is Larry going to be doing? Like spotting up in the corner and being used up – You've you being used as a space option. You know, it, it doesn't really make sense. So clearly – they couldn't find a deal for Lowry. I was hopeful that maybe maybe he could swing Lowry for Lonzo. I mean everyone was. There was rumors that, you know, the Bulls were very much into Lonzo. Clearly for whatever reason the deal didn't happen. Maybe it was the the Pelicans just didn't really like Lowry, which I, I completely understand. And maybe if they wanted to take on Lowry that they, they were just asking too much back. And in that case, if that, if that is the case, that they wanted Lowry plus a pick or two or something else, then you know, why do that deal? Because when you can go out in free agency and maybe just go get Lonzo for free, so so to speak, I mean, maybe it just made more, from a pure asset management point of view, maybe it makes more sense to wait to do that in the off season. I, I doubt a sign and trade will happen between both teams, particularly now that, you know, Lowry has an open market to so many other teams that could potentially interested in in him. Like, for example, the San Antonio Spurs, if they want Lowry, they offer Lowry a restricted free agent offer sheet. You can't necessarily trade him to the Pelicans in a sign-and-trade because he doesn't necessarily want to go there. So I'm not expecting Alonzo Lonzo for Lowry, restricted free agent sign-and-trade type thing to materialize. Maybe it happens for another player, but the Bulls can still go out there and get Lonzo, but I was hopeful that that deal was going to happen today because if you look at the roster right now and the rotation today, whilst it's certainly much different, <laughs> certainly a lot better than I think what it was, it's still it's still probably not ideal because I mean in the backcourt, the same you got you got Saturansky and Levine starting at point guard and shooting guard, you got Kobe White coming off the bench, Denzel Valentine backing up those guys, Patrick Williams is starting at, at, at small forward. Clearly Otto Porter is gone now, so Garrett Temple becomes more important there. Obviously, Troy Brown Jr. comes in, but you look up front, you've got Larry Markin and Thad Young at power forward. You've got Vucevic, and Daniel Tice at centre. I'm assuming Cristiano Felicio... I don't know why he's still here. I mean, <laughs> what's the point at this point? The only the only reason you would keep Felicio was to include him in a trade, just due to the fact that his seven and a half million dollar expiring deal could net you back ten million dollars from uh, an incoming salary. But clearly they didn't trade Felicio, so why is he here? Let's waive him, AK. Let's bring some sort of young project and someone that we can actually maybe develop and take a take a shot on Felicio. Like. He, there's no point about having him now. I'll always appreciate Felicio for stealing 32 million dollars from the Reinsdorf. He will always have my love for that reason. But from a pure basketball standpoint, like let's get rid of him. He doesn't—he doesn't belong here. Alf Alfarocamino, he's not going to be playing much of the balls. He's not really good anymore. He was—he was just included in that deal as a salary filler. But beyond that, I mean, if you look at the front court, like what's the next step? Because one of one of Lowry, Markman, or Thad Young really should be a. a one of those guys really needs to be turned into a guard. And we all wanted Lonzo. If it wasn't Lonzo, maybe it was someone like Malcolm Brogdon, who was rumoured to be available potentially this week. Or clearly didn't obviously get traded. But what are the Bulls' next moves here? Maybe I was being a little... uh a little bit jealous, not jealous, but a little bit um, wanting of more. Maybe I just got a little bit addicted to the fact that the Bulls were actually making moves and, and thought or was convinced that they would be able to swing a deal for some Lonzo. I mean, they, they came out of nowhere to get Vucevic, so why the hell could they not land a deal for Lonzo, given that was the, the actual rumour that they were connected to? So I was kind of disappointed that we didn't see a swap of Larry for Lonzo. Like, that would have just topped off the day. If you could have added Lonzo to, to, to Zach and to Vucevic, I mean... I've just talked about the, the you know the connection and the, the possibility that that you have from an offensive standpoint between Levine and Vucevic, but Vucevic, But if you add in Lonzo to that, and you don't necessarily need Lonzo to be a pure point guard because he isn't necessarily that, but just to have another smart player on there that can keep the ball moving, connect the offense, you know, in transition or even in the half, half court. Like I mean, it would have been so good. It would have been so good. But nonetheless, maybe that plays itself out in the off season. So that would just be my one critique of what happened at the deadline, but I guess you don't know what was available. If that, if the Pelicans were asking an arm and a leg for Lonzo Ball, who's a restricted free agent in the off season, someone who you potentially can go and sign depending on how you sort of manage your cap space going forward in the off season, then maybe it makes sense to just not make the deal now. Yes, it means that you have to sort of have Lowry sort of hang around for the next 28, 30 games. His fit with Vucevic probably isn't ideal. You would have rather, you know, turn him into a guard like Lonzo, but maybe we just need to wait on that, and you can't necessarily solve all your problems at once. That's me trying to be rational about it, but at the same time, I'd be lying if I wasn't disappointed that Lonzo is in a ball, and, you know, i would probably even more disappointed, to be honest with you, that Lowry is still a ball because I just don't think his future's here in Chicago. Particularly on the roster now, like he's kind of redundant with someone like Vucevic, who is an offensive-minded center. Like you don't necessarily need an offensive-minded power forward like Larry as well, a limited power forward like Larry. So, I'm assuming Larry's days in Chicago are still numbered. Didn't happen at the trade deadline, but I'm assuming that will be the case. You know, in the off season. I'm assuming Larry's elsewhere or going elsewhere. But obviously, we'll wait and see how that plays out. But like I said, how this rotation figures itself now, out now is going to be very interesting. You've still got the, the that dynamic up front as to who is going to be starting. Now, clearly, we have to assume all-star Nikola Vucevic is going to be starting for the Chicago Bulls. I mean, surely that's the case. So, if that happens, like, who's starting for the Bulls that power forward? Is it Larry Markkinen, the restricted free agent, who maybe, maybe not this team isn't committed to long-term? I, I don't know what the answer to that is. I, I hope they're not, but, like do you really need to be playing Larry Markin in big minutes now, given that he's a limited role player? You don't necessarily need to showcase him before the trade deadline, now that the deadline's passed. Like, what what, what are we doing here? Like, if, if if Lowry is not the best power forward option, he's not better than Thad Young, wh- why are we starting Larry Markin? Moreover, like, Lowry fits really nicely with someone like Daniel Tice, and Tice is coming off the bench, and someone like Thad Young fits really nicely with Vucevic. So... In my mind, like, you have to start Thad Young and Vucevic, but I just wonder if there's going to be some politics at play here. I, I don't know, but to me, I'm, I'm really hoping that the Bulls make the call If Thad Young starts at power forward, Larry comes off the bench, and then you keep Patrick Williams in at three. If you really wanted to get funky, you can play some lineups with Patrick Williams and Troy Brown Jr. out there. Like, that would be interesting, a two two wing lineup. That's nice. I like like to look at that, and particularly with Troy Brown Jr., like he has some playmaking chops as well, so that's interesting to me. But I I think going forward over the next few days, particularly as Vyčovic joins the team, the team gets used to and accustomed to itself and how Billy Donovan massages the rotation. I'm really hopeful, or not hopeful, but, yeah, I'm intrigued as to what happens with Lowry versus Thad. And, look, for me, clearly the right decision is starting Thad Young there's just too much of an overlap between Markin and Vucevic. And to be honest with you, like a Markin and Vucevic defensive pairing would just be absolutely terrible. So get Lowry to the bench, I guess is my point. And, you know, he, he, I don't think he's part of the long-term future. So why gift him a starting spot when that is clearly better? At least that's my, that's my perspective, at least the things that are running through my head now, as I'm sort of processing this all as it's happening, like how is this going to materialize? But we'll find out in the coming days. And I guess, What's interesting about this, like, irrespective of this move, the Bulls are still entering into a 10-game stretch where nine of their 10 games are on their road. The five games out of the trade deadline are super, super difficult. I mean, they've got a four-game West Coast trip playing, playing like, Utah, Phoenix. I think they've got the Warriors in there. Who else is in there? The Spurs, of course, that's the other team. That's the first game out of the deadline. So, like, that, that's four tough games. Then you come home to play Brooklyn. Before going out on the road again for a five-game trip against the Pacers, the Raptors, the Hawks, the Timberwolves, and the Grizzlies. Now, admittedly, like that five-game run isn't against super difficult competition. The Pacers didn't do anything at the deadline. The Raptors, while we thought they were going to trade Kyle Lowry, they didn't. But you know what does that mean for their season? The Timberwolves obviously aren't great. The Memphis Grizzlies, they're they're a comparable team to the Bulls and the Hawks. The Hawks are a comparable team to the Bulls as well. So you know it's five road games, but. Essentially, nine of the next ten games are road games, somewhat harder than others. But this is a new team, effectively. It's going to take time for this team to to get used to each other, get used to playing with each other, with virtually no practice time. So, I'm not necessarily convinced that these moves really impact this season that much. Like, I would expect the Bulls to stumble their way into a playing game anyway. But like, them vaulting up from the ninth seed up to like four or five, maybe probably is not going to happen. Just due to the schedule, due to the fact that this is effectively a new team, but maybe maybe it does, maybe it does. We'll see. Obviously, how it comes together, but the next nine or ten games are going to be very telling. How Donovan, like I said, massages the the rotation is going to be an interesting story storyline. So, if nothing else, it certainly added some um, some spice to the the second half of this ball season. Which that in itself, I'm very thankful for because this team, uh, well, as previously constructed, where it was headed was it was just such a malaise. Like, we, what were we doing? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And that's why I wanted to see some sort of deal. You all know what type of deals I wanted to see, and this is exactly what I wanted to see. So I'm very pleased that the Bulls have gone down this path. I'm not, like I said, I'm not super hopeful of what it means for this season, but I ultimately don't care. Like, this is a move set up for your next two to three, four years down the road as to what this team may be. And you add Ruchovic to Levine, Patrick Williams still grows Maybe you get Monzo in the offseason. Maybe swinging on Troy Brown Jr. You found a player there. This can be a legitimate 50 win team. I don't know if they'll be that next next season, let's say, but, you know, over the next two to three years, they can build towards that. Now, again, there'll be some people listening to that thinking, well, that's not good enough. I want my team to be title of bus. We're the Chicago Bulls. We haven't won a championship in 20 odd years. I don't think like that. I just want to see good basketball. I want to see a good competitive team, a product that we can be happy to be supporting, a team that can get in the postseason and win basketball games. This team probably never wins a title. It probably never even gets to the off Eastern Conference Finals. It can get to the second round a couple of times. And to be honest with you, based on where this team was headed anyway, I think they have propelled them to their team forward. Clearly a combination of Levine, Kobe White, Larry Martin and Wendell Carter, like that those young guys weren't going to get you past the first round in the playoffs. Maybe if you had some lottery luck with those guys, you could, but it wasn't going to happen. So I actually think the Bulls have made themselves better here in the short term, but I think from a you know over the next five or so years, the mid- to, to long-term look of this team, I think they've actually increased their likelihood of being a better playoff team as well. So all in all, I guess what I'm trying to say, Bulls fans, is I'm very pleased with how this deadline has progressed. I'm very thankful that AK sort of showed his hands here. He was always going to be a guy that... He knew how he would be as an executive based on his actions, less so his words. He's a very coy guy, very uh keeps his cards close to his chest type thing. But based on what we're seeing now, the moves that he's made here, like these are legit moves. The Bulls won every single move they've made today. So based on that data set, coupled with what we saw in the off season, with the, the acquisition of Billy Donovan, signing Garrett Temple, drafting Patrick Williams, plus the moves that we've seen on the deadline, like they have all been wins for for AK. So now the data set is sort of growing with AK. I'm, I'm feeling more confident. I've got more faith. And I'm very, I'm confident about where this team is going, going forward. Again, I don't think there's a, a title team in this team as currently constructed. But I don't care. I, I don't care. With this team has two All-Stars now. They have some young talent still on this roster. I, I'm still very high on Patrick Williams. I think Troy Brown Jr. can be a player. You can go out and get someone like Lonzo, maybe in the off season, And we're cooking. We're cooking. We've got a decent team here. And more importantly, there's, there's a legit path now. Like we we don't have any concerns or questions as to where this team is going. We know what they're trying to do now, and and just having that clear mind, that clear that clear vision as to where things are going. That we're trying to maximise the prime of our best player, Zach Levine. I'm happy. I'm happy. Everything I asked for, I've been given. So I, I'm very happy. I'm very happy right now, Bulls fans. I'm I'm hoping that's coming across in this podcast, and I'm hoping you guys feel the same. But um, look, I don't know how much more I can wax poetic about this specific day because, like I said, I've been up for a number of hours. My brain is literally all over the place. I need to have a million more coffees if I'm trying to make it through my day. My work day hasn't even started yet. I'm not looking forward to that, to be honest with you. But what I will do to close out the show is I might take some of your questions. I did ask for some questions uh, for this podcast, and, you know, the reason I asked for questions was I was getting a million questions on, on Twitter online as to, you know, what I thought of this deal. Uh, you know, not to, not to big up myself or sound like a complete wanker here, but I mean, things were moving so far, so many mentions and notifications coming through that I didn't get to or see them all. I couldn't respond to them all. So I thought, you know, I'll address some of those questions that I did get through from Twitter on the podcast. So. Uh, We can start here with uh, a question here from Felipe C from Brazil. Felipe, I appreciate you sending in your questions as always, mate. He asks, what do you think Wendell will amount to in his career going forward? I still somewhat believe in him, but if you had to put your money on it, I'd say career pack up big. And, you know, fair question, Felipe. I mean, everyone knows that I'm a Wendell stan. I still believe in Wendell. Uh, I'm sad to see him go, but, you know, if, if Wendell has to go to make this team better, then so be it. As to what I think his career is going to amount to, like, I still think he can be a good quality starter in this league. I don't think he's an all-star player. Can he be a guy that gets you, like, 14 points, 9 rebounds, and, uh, you know, 3 assists and give you good defense? I think he can be that. I'm kind of disappointed that he's going to an Orlando, like I said, from uh, from the top. Like, that's not really a that's not really a team that has a great track record of developing players, nor do they really have, like, much talent on that roster right now. Like, they're clearly rebuilding. Maybe if they could get someone like Cade Cunningham in this draft coming up, then that would be huge for someone like Wendell, like his career arc. But they just have no point guys that you really have any interest of. I mean, Fultz is out for the year. Cole Anthony is just, you know, Kobe White 2.0, so... uh, I don't know if Wendell's going to necessarily make it in Orlando, but I am hopeful of him making it somewhere else. So, yeah, he will be a backup big at a minimum, but I still have I still have some hopes for him being a uh, a legitimate starter in this league going forward. Like I said, I'm sad to see him go. I'll still be following Wendell wherever he goes. I still think he can be a player, and you know, hopefully this is hopefully this is the thing Wendell needed. Clearly, he got moved to the bench because you know mentally he was just defeating himself. I'm hoping this trade. You know, kicks him in the ass in that sense, and and he sort of finds his new self, his best self, whether it's in Orlando or elsewhere. But um, you know, all the best to Wendell. I oh, like I said, I'll still be following him, and, and I hope his career elsewhere is as good as it as as good as it can be, and as good as what I think it can be. So um, yeah, here's to hoping for Wendell. Uh, next question in here. So this one comes in from Bleep Bop Bloop on Twitter. He asks, Have you watched Aminu play recently? Because I know that I don't watch Magic games. Can he still play defense? And look, to be fair, Bleep Bop Bloop. I haven't watched a ton of Aminu, and a part of that is just due to the fact that the dude has been hurt and he hasn't necessarily played a lot in Orlando. Hasn't really worked out as a signing in Orlando. And to be fair, they just had a million power forwards and bigs, so he wasn't necessarily going to play much in Orlando. I mean, his offensive game, from what I've seen, is completely shot. Don't know if he has much left in the tank from a defensive standpoint. I don't think he's going to be playing much in Chicago. To be honest with you, he was sort of included in this deal as a as a as a trade piece, as a salary piece. He has ten million dollars left on his deal for next season, which I believe is guaranteed, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I'm not expecting much from Amino. I don't think he's going to be in the rotation. He's probably just going to be the latest salary filler that the Bulls have to take on, so I'm not expecting much from um from Amino at all. Uh Next question, in this one comes in from Rene Trossman. He asks, how much better do these trades actually make the Bulls? And like I alluded to, Rene, I'm not sure if this makes the team better this season, like that much better this season, just due to the fact that there's no practice time. We're going through a rough schedule here. These guys will have to learn how to play with each other. I don't know how much better it makes this team. I think they can get to maybe you know just under 500, let's say. But I think what this what this deal does set up is you know how how good does this make the Bulls going forward? And like I said before, I think this can propel the Bulls into being a legit 50 win team, a four or five seed in the East, a team that depending on matchups can make the second round. Maybe maybe if you squint hard enough, depending on matchups, maybe they can have one random Eastern Conference berth. But I don't know. Like, like I said before, I made the comparison to the Nuggets before. Like, if the, if the Bulls can be the Nuggets of the East, maybe they don't have a. Well, not maybe. They don't, clearly don't have a player like Nikola Jokic. Like, they don't have an MVP caliber part player. But the East also isn't the West. So, you know, an East, a Denver Nuggets light, let's say, like that could be a really good team in the Eastern Conference. So, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that this team can eventually project to be a a legitimate 50-win team for three or four seasons right here. I think that's what I was hoping for or asking for and I think there's a path for that being the case. Uh, Next question, this one comes in from Brandon Rubble. He asks... I'm wondering how we'll upgrade the point guard position if not now at the deadline with with Lowry as trade bait. He also goes on to say that most of the cap is now being used on Vucin and Menu, and I'll assume and he assumes that they're going to guarantee the third, third contract. So he's not necessarily sure, or Brandon's not necessarily sure how the Bulls are going to bring in Lonzo or someone like you know Spencer Dinwiddie. So it's a fair concern, Brandon. And I look, I haven't done the math yet on the cap side of things. So I have to update my cap sheet as to how. How this will all play out, but look, this deal doesn't necessarily mean that they guarantee Thad. Maybe they don't. I mean, Thad has a partial guarantee in his deal for six million dollars. But if they bring him back, I think he's back for thirteen or fourteen million. So you could potentially save yourself seven, eight million dollars by you know saying goodbye to Thad. So you do have that scope to to get some cap space. If you just let Lowry Martin walk, you gain twenty million dollars because. Larry Markkinen's cap hold is $20.1 million. If you just decide to let him go, let him go to another team, maybe you don't get an asset back for him, which is maybe a shame. But at the same time, if losing Larry, you generate cap space and you get in someone like Lonzo Ball with that cap space, then that's how you can do it. Again, I have to do the math to see who the guaranteed deals are, what the ball's ultimate cap position will be. But just off the top of my head, just thinking about it now, like Nikola Vucevic, and I should have mentioned this at the top actually, like this is part of the reason why he's actually a really intriguing trade option. He has a descending deal. He's got two years left on his deal, but next year he's set to make twenty-four million. The year after that, his final year, he's set to make twenty two million. Couple that with the fact that that Zach Levine next season is only making nineteen and a half million dollars. Like you're getting two all stars for effectively like just under twenty-five million dollars. Or for an average of say like $22, $22 million over both of them. Like, like that in itself, like production versus contract is insane value. But really like that, the main guaranteed contracts on the roster next season are going to be Vucevic, Levine, pair them up. That's what, $43, 44000000 You got Patrick Williams on there. He's going to be averaging about $7.5 million next season. Al Farouk, I Aminu's mean money there, which is about $10 million. And then let's say Kobe White is back. Those five guys total up to about sixty-seven million, off the top of my head. You're going to have some cap holds. You're going to have some other, some other guys that maybe you retain from the current roster. So maybe, maybe that number quickly climbs up towards eighty-five million, something like that, depending on what you do. You've got to add in the partial guarantees that you have for Thad and Sato. So, yes, it's going to be tight. We'll see, obviously, what the Bulls can do with Lonzo if they do anything with all in, We'll see what the Bulls can do with Lonzo if they can do anything at all with Lonzo. But you know, who knows? Uh, we'll see how the cap sort of plays out. Like I said, I have to do the math a little bit better than off the top of the off the top of my head as I've done here. But there's still scope, I think, for it to happen. It's just maybe a little bit more difficult. It would have been more ideal to do it via trade, like trading Lonzo with for like that would have been perfect. But uh, it's not to be. So hopefully that still is in the cards going forward. To that point, I mean, I got a lot of questions about Lonzo. Maybe questions around you know Dinwiddie, someone like that as a point guard option as well. So I kind of feel like I've addressed the, that that point within the body of this podcast and and to Brandon's question there. So I think there's still scope for, to, to, for Lonzo to be a bull. Obviously, you know, teams like the Knicks now come into it from a free agency standpoint, so we have to see how it's all going to play out. But uh, I'm still hopeful of, of Lonzo, you know, potentially being a bull down the line. I and mean, if it's not him, then we'll see who it is. But, uh, you know, ultimately, the bulls still have work to do. The roster is far from complete. Like, they still need to be keeping... They still need to be building towards this, but uh, we'll see how it obviously plays out. Uh, I've got a few other questions that I've probably answered through the body of the po- this podcast. Like, uh, for example, um, Jacob Big Sean asks, why is Larry still on the team? And, you know, again, like, Jacob, I completely agree, mate. Like, this is the the main takeaway I have from the from the deadline is why is Lowry still here? Trade him, trade him, <laughs> get rid of him now because it just doesn't make sense. But obviously we can't. The deadline is gone. But yeah, I, I don't know. They clearly just deal didn't materialize. Um, we'll see what happens. But um, I'm hopeful that they move on from him in the off season. It would be very uh, it would be weird to to re-sign Lowry and bring him back now that you have got Vooch. But obviously we'll see what happens. Patrick Williams-Stan account asks, are Zach and Vujic the Eastern Conference iteration of Jamal and Jokic? And again, I've sort of answered that Patrick Williams-Stan account, but I completely agree with you. I think they can be some sort of facsimile. Obviously not exactly the same. It's not a direct comparison. Jokic is like a top five NBA player at this point. MVP in my mind, he should be the MVP. So clearly, like that is the, the key difference. Zach is obviously in my mind, at least, better than Murray. But yes, I think there is scope for that to be a similar type thing, and you know, to, to to model that after those guys. And I think Donovan is the kind of coach who can get the best out of someone like Vucevic. Obviously, AK has that connection between you know that Jamal Jokic type thing. I think he has that in mind when he's building around someone like Levine and Vucevic now. And to that point. Trevor Messica asked me, it has to be playoffs or bust right now. Assuming they're winning the play or losing the first, first round, like, what would the ideal off-season moves be? And like, like I was, I've obviously spoke about Lonzo, but like, yes, like now it is about playoffs. Like, this is entirely about playoffs. Like, if, like, we can't make the comparisons to Jokic and, and Jamal Murray or being nuggets east, let's say, without having the playoffs in mind. Like, that, that has to be the goal for this season. If you can make it there. They should be able to. I'm hopeful that they can. But definitely beyond this season, like, that's what we're thinking about. Like, it's about playoffs. It's about trying to maximize your next two to four years and trying to be a legit playoff team during that time. So yes, like, that is what the Bulls need to be doing. They need to be adding pieces. They need to be adding Lonzo. Like I said, maybe they get some lottery luck. Like, if they don't make the playoffs this season, and maybe they're in the playoffs, they the playing rather, they stay in the lottery, they get some lottery luck and, you know, jump up from 12th to 4th and retain that 4th pick, like, that like that would be a game changer. Like, if you can keep the 4th pick whilst adding Vucevic, like, that would be sick, Bulls fans. Like, that's probably the best case scenario, to be honest with you. Like, maybe not getting in the playoffs, you get in the play-in, you don't necessarily make the, the playoffs from the play-in, you stay in the lottery, you get some extreme lottery luck and that pick sort of jumps up in the top four. And because it's top four protected, if it stays in the top four, the Bulls keep that pick. Like that's probably the best case scenario. You get Vucevic in and you get your pick back. Like that would be an absolute steal. But uh, obviously we'll, have, we'll see how it plays out. Um, look, I, I probably have to sign off here because like I said, my brain is fried. I have no idea what I'm even thinking anymore. My mind is literally everywhere. Uh, I've been up way too long now. So apologies if I haven't got to your question. But um Look, this isn't going to be the last topic or the last podcast that we're talking about, this specific topic. We'll have more podcasts coming out on Bulls HQ talking about the trade, talking about the team going forward, how obviously this team sort of pro- projects going forward now that we, you know, once we get to see them on the court, what it looks like, all that sort of stuff. There's going to be so much more content now coming on Bulls HQ. And to be honest with you, like, from a Bulls content creative point of view, like, this kind of shit, like, this this, this trading stuff, like, it infuses you to want to continue to podcast. Like there's only so many times you can podcast about you know, Kobe White sucks, Larry Markin sucks, Wendell, you know, he sucks too. Like, What is this team doing? They're, they're not going anywhere. There's only so many times you can repeat yourself with the same crap over and over and over again. And I'm sure you guys are sick of listening to that. So the fact that the Bulls have actually done a deal, made some trades, if for no other reason else, just to, to make my life a lot easier as a podcaster, like, I'm thankful for that reason. But um moreover, like, I think the moves that they've made today are just all wins, all absolute wins, very happy with what ak has done here faith is restored ak you have a believer now in me <laughs> not to say i was completely out on you but i needed to see something by this deadline that that was my always my my drop dead date i i made i think it was justifiable for you making no moves in the off season you clearly wanted to evaluate things i, I was okay with that it made sense to me but i wanted to see moves by the deadline if there were no moves after the deadline i was going to be out I couldn't imagine how you could retain all this the same roster and just keep trudging along as if nothing was going to change. Like that made no sense to me. But the fact that you've gone out and got a legit all star, and look, I'll sign off on this. Like AK in the last two hours or three hours or whatever the hell it is has made more moves in the last few hours to positively impact this roster from a winning standpoint than Garpac's made throughout their entire tenure. I mean, Garpac's made, what, like two trades that positively impact this team from a winning standpoint? Like, the Salmons deal, Brad Miller and John Salmons, and maybe the Otto Porter deal. Like, are they the only two things, they're the only two trades that pop up in my mind where the team made an in-season trade that legitimately made the team better? That happened over, like, a 15 to 7-year span. (laughs) Clearly, they made moves in off-seasons or through the draft that made the team better, but like just specifically through in-season trades, AK has pulled the trigger on more better deals in a few hours compared to what Paxton has done over, what, like I said, 15 to 17 years. Let's just call it 20 freaking years. That in itself is a reason to celebrate Bulls fans, but moreover, like I said, all of these moves, they're wins in my eyes, but uh, I'm very happy. I'm very happy with how it's all played out. I hope that has been... Communicated or resonated through my words through on this podcast. I'm hoping you are all feeling the same. It's a good day in my mind to be a Bulls fan, and uh, hopefully that continues into the off season. And you know, maybe we get Lonzo in the off season. I guess that's that. I guess that's what we're all, what we're all hoping for going forward. But uh, look, that just about does it for today. Like I said, uh, I'm going around in circles now. My mind is everywhere. I need a coffee. I need a lot of sleep, but no less. I appreciate everyone tuning in. I appreciate everyone's support following the podcast. I hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you want to follow my takes on all things bulls, it's going to be continuing. I probably won't be able to sleep to be honest with you because, uh, I'll be having this team on my mind too much, but if you, for whatever reason, you want to follow me online, if you're not already doing so, hit me up on Twitter at MK Hoops. follow the show on Twitter too, at Bulls HQ Pod. If you want to send me an email, if you want to share your thoughts about this trade, I want to hear it. Like, send me an email, Bulls at gmail.com. If you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord, send me a DM on Twitter at MK Hoops. But again, we'll call it a day for now. Let's collect our thoughts. We'll walk away from this day feeling pretty damn good because to me, it's an A plus day. A lot of good deals. I'm feeling good about it. Could have been better. I would have liked to have seen Larry Falonzo better. Yeah, it is what it is. But uh, again, thank you for tuning in, Bulls fans. We'll be back very soon again talking about this trade, talking about the Bulls going forward. But until then, thank you, AK. Thank you. Speak soon, Bulls fans. <laughs>